list. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, welcome back to another week and another episode. Um, We're so happy you're here because we're happy to be here. We are happy to be here. (laughs) This morning was... Didn't work very well. Shambles, but that's okay. But we're surviving and we're thriving. (laughs) Some of us are. (laughs) No, we're good. We're good. Um, I'm actually really excited about what we got to talk about today because um, I feel like the context of what we're talking about is something that I'm actually, I haven't even spoken to you about this, but like I've been telling everybody to just 10x everything that they want to do this year. Oh, yeah. Don't say that to yeah. me because I think about that a lot. Yeah, it's like but kind of I, I, it's exciting because um, I feel like I've finally gotten to a place where I have the tools that people can use to actually 10x their wildest dreams and um, their goals for 2023. Can I become a client? Sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess where I want to kind of start with this episode is, of course, with a story. Mm-hmm. We um, love stories. We love stories here on this podcast. But it was actually something that happened last year. So um, I, again, randomly met this woman, which tends to always happen. I meet these random women who just gravitate towards me. But anyway, I met this woman named Wilma. And Wilma was an 84-year-old woman that I met uh, when I was interviewing a bunch of elderly people when I was asking them the question, uh, what would you do if you knew you had a year to live? And she just happened to kind of overhear what I was actually doing and decided to let me know what something that had been on her bucket list, right? So to give you a bit of context about Wilma's life, so she was um, – She'd been in a retirement home. She somehow broke out of the retirement home. Um, she went on a rampage and. Yeah, no, literally. Uh, decided that she was fit enough to live on her own, which she was. She was like 100%, like fully, fully capable of doing that. And then um, she'd kind of met me, heard what I was doing. And her thing that she'd always wanted to do was to go skydiving. That's obviously music to my ears because anybody who says they want to go skydiving, I'm like, I'm there. We can go skydiving. We can go skydiving. Yeah. And so I said to her, I'm like, if you're actually keen on this, like I will, I'll take you. Like I will actually take you. And she was like, absolutely. So anyway, one thing led to another. She had to get a full medical clearance because of her age. Um, so I even went with her to the doctors, got the medical clearance. Um, and yeah, we ended up taking her skydiving. Skydive Australia actually sponsored the whole thing. Shout out to Skydive Australia. They sponsored the whole thing and we ended up taking a group of like my friends. We all went and- You actually invited me to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wanted to come. And I couldn't make it last yeah, minute because well, yeah. I don't like skydiving. <laughs> no, <laughs> you I'm shouldn't kidding. say no. that on this podcast. Too <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> late. Uh, um, no, I'm kidding. I, I would go skydiving. Actually? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Oh, um, but anyway, so that was one thing. And then I just had this wild idea. I was like, you know what? I want this to be on the news. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to like try and find someone I can contact to get this shit on the news. Because it's epic. Like an 84-year-old woman decides she wants to go skydiving. And it's not like it hadn't been done before. Um, but I was like, this woman is just crazy. Because it's like she's gotten this new lease on life. And she wants to do all these things that everybody has been telling her she can't. Because she's too old and too fragile. And this, this, this. And it's kind of similar to what even young people get told, like the, you know, age is a factor or you can't do this because X, Y, Z. 
So I just love the fact that she was keen to do something that was out of her comfort zone. She'd never done before. And because everybody was telling her she couldn't, she had this rebellious nature, which obviously I could relate to. Mm -hmm. Um, So then, yeah, anyway, I was like, all right, I'm going to try and go out to a few people. And I reached out to a few people who I kind of thought might have connections and Everybody was like, oh, it's really hard to like get into those places because they don't just take any story. And I was mm. like, is that a challenge? <laughs> um, anyway, so I put together this pitch pack and I sent it. The first person I sent it to was um, the project. I just like literally from their contact us uh, little box on their website was like, hey, my name's Monique. I've got this pitch pack. This is who I am. This is what I do. Um, I've met this woman. She wants to go skydiving. We're taking her on, you know, Thursday the 16th of March or whatever it was. And I get a call straight away, like within 15 minutes, and it's one of the producers from the project. And I was like, wow, it's this easy? Like, what do you mean? Um, And what had also happened, because there's a funny second part to this story, uh, there was a PER agent that was also working with us on this story um, from the – the what, what are they called like home care company that we mm-hmm. got that we met Wilma through um and he was like old blast is out to everybody and we'll get you know channel seven on board or channel nine and I was like yeah channel seven's cool and all but like the project was the goal because the project tells stories yeah anyway um so he went and did that and I kind of put my trust in this PR guy because I was like well he does PR like he knows you know he knows what he's doing who am I I don't know what I'm doing I'm just this random person who's like I just want to be on the project yeah um and so when the project came back to me one of their things was we we're the only um news broadcasting station that can that can be there otherwise we won't air it if it's going to go on channel seven or something mm-hmm. like that and I was like you 100 percent have this story. It's yeah. your story. Anyway, and what ended up happening was the other PR agent sent it out to Channel 7. I'd gone to everybody and said, all right, we've given it to the project. Oh, no, no one else is allowed to be there. It's the project story. We're all good. So anyway, the day comes. We get to go skydiving. Wilma had the best time ever. Um, but... On the morning of, the project shows up, so the reporter and the cameraman who were there, like, to film. And then all of a sudden this van pulls up and it's Channel 7. And I was just like, oh, no, it's like a media showdown and I'm stuck in the middle of it all. Anyway, it was like fucking World War III or with me and the Channel 7 presenter. Um, I think it was the first time I actually stood my ground and was like, "You don't you dare talk down to me. Um... But anyway, so it was just this really. So just basically, you're banned from Channel Seven. I'm, now. Channel Seven won't take any of my calls or yeah, my yeah. emails. No. Yeah. Um, Have you tried? <laughs> there hasn't been a good enough story at the moment. I might, maybe one day, maybe uh, they'll forget. They'll I don't forget. Know. Yeah, I don't sure. really. I don't really rate Channel Seven. Um, but what I learned in that moment, there was sponsored a sponsored by Channel Nine. <laughs> what I learned from that moment. Um, it was a f- there was heaps of things. Like, first of all, just with Wilma, age is just a number. Like, it doesn't matter how old you are. You can always have a dream. You can always go after it. And you should never listen to what other people are saying um, to just go and pursue it. But then the whole experience I had with, um, you know, the project, Channel 7, whatever, it just showed me that I shouldn't, like, credit to me, I can do it. Like yeah. here's me thinking I can't go out to, you know, TV broadcasters or whatever because I'm not a PR agent. I don't even know what to say to these people. Like if I get put in a room with these people, you know, 
I'm going to fumble or whatever. Um, getting the project on board. And I remember there was people coming up to me going, how did you even, how did you manage that? Yeah. Like I literally have the producer's number in my phone. And I'm like, what? Are you, what? Yeah. Um, so there was this whole thing where I was like, you know what, you need to start backing yourself because you actually can do all these things. So, yeah, anyway, that's where I'm starting with this episode because what I want to dive down into is a few things. It's setting goals and having these big dreams. Then how do you actually go after them? Um, and the tools that you can actually use to set a goal for yourself and then just go for it. Because, you know, obviously it being 2023, new year, everybody writes down like their news resolutions and the bucket list and all that. But then how many of us actually go out and do the things we say we're going to do? I actually. I had, thought you were like, yeah, me. I yeah, me. Like, yeah, yeah, I do that. I do that. Yeah. I like checked, I had looked at all my, my goals from last year and I actually checked off like six of them and they're all like relatively yeah, big goals. Yeah. Like fitness ones, like financial ones, travel ones. Do you find you categorize them? Like, no, no you just write them. Yeah. No, I mean, I had it on a whiteboard for a while, but when I got back from America and the, the past in there, I was like, this all needs to go. <laughs> like I just haven't had a chance to do it again, but I have a rough idea of what I want to do. But normally it's like health, wealth and wisdom actually. Yeah. They're like my goals that I break down. In. Yeah. And I do... I do what I want to do and then I want, and then the next column's how I'm going to do it. What I want to do, why I want to do it yep. and then how I'm going to do it. And they're like, and that's just what my goals were on my whiteboard. Well, the why is like the most important part because it's all well and good to say you want to do all these things. But if you don't actually understand why you want it, you won't do it because if you don't want it bad enough, then you just – you're not going to take the necessary steps to actually go for it. Mm. Um, so actually acknowledging that as a second step is really, really important, I've found. Mm. And particularly like with all the things that I, like if someone looks at my bucket list. It's like, like 150. 174. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. there's no part of me that doesn't think I'm going to be able to do them all because too many times now I've done certain things like taking Wilma skydiving, getting, you know, Project 10 to just listen to me and my ideas to, you know, taking a stranger over to Africa and getting that sponsored. Like too many things have happened now, too many experiences where I go, well, why the fuck can't I go and do this next thing? Like mm. why? Mm. There's no reason because I've done all these other things. This is just another thing to add to the list. Mm. Um, so first of all, let me ask you, do you have like a massive – like not goal, a dream, like if you could do anything um, in your lifetime, what would it be? Like how big is it? Have you even thought about it? Um, no, nah, not any like one big thing. Like the, the biggest focus goal that I have is to do like a national touring music festival. That's yeah. That's kind of the the North Star at the moment. So I'm talking like twenty thousand people, a yeah. state, three or four states. Like that's so ten exit is my best. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I need to move to the US if I'm going. I mean, it's also yeah, it's possible. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. Um, so yeah, that's been the main goal, and then everything else is just like health, like yeah. chipping away at the, those kind of things, financial, which kind of will tie in if I get that big goal mm -hmm. right. And then, yeah, just like living a happy life. Like I, that's, I don't have a heap. Yeah. So just learning shit. It's, yeah, I don't have anything wild. Yeah. What about you? 
Yeah, I do. I could tell you right off the back of my um, thing. No, I asked that because I've noticed how much mine's shifted in the last year mm. with everything that I've done. Um, so my ever, I called it an evergreen goal. So it was basically if you looked at like an umbrella goal where everything else kind of had to filter up to, mine was to help 1 million people yeah, in some way, shape or form. That was my dream. How I was going to do it, no idea. Just every touch point in my life had to contribute to that. Now with, you know, doing the uh, everything with the school in Kenya and, you know, having that whole experience and even having like my financial advisor say to me like, you need to think bigger. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean think bigger? Like mm. building a school in Kenya and trying to help a million people, like is that not big enough? And he's like, no, 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 like it needs to be bigger. Well, you, what I was listening back to our other episode with the Wim Hof thing and how many views has that got on it? Half a mil? Yeah, something like that. So like technically maybe have you helped half a million people already? Yeah, but maybe, like maybe. Depending on your metric of what helping yeah. people is. But that, that was the point <clears> of it being an evergreen goal. There was no metric to measure it. It was this constant pursuit of just working towards that. Mm. So it was almost like an unattainable kind of goal because you're not going to know when you hit it. It's just to keep trying to work towards it. Mm. Um, and so now though, with like everything that I'm doing, my dream is to build sustainable cities in developing countries. <laughs> and I said that to a few people and they're like, how the fuck are you going to do that? I'm like, I don't know, but I'm going to. So funny, like the difference between the mentalities of like, say me and somebody else, you're like, I want to build sustainable cities in developing countries. I'm like, that's dope. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. How are you going to like, what's the next step? Yeah, no. So, but this is the funny thing. Cause I used to always have to have the steps. Right. But now again, so many things that have happened in life lately, I haven't actually known how I was going to do it. I just find myself doing it. And what I'm mm -hmm. finding is the more aligned it is to who I am as a person and my character and my values, my core values, the easier it's just becoming to do it. Mm. Like I'm not having to, you know, scourge through the fucking barrel to try and figure out the steps. The steps are almost just being given to me. And I'm like, oh, okay, we're doing this now. Like, let's go for it. Mm. Um, so yeah. So this year in 2023, these ambitions and these goals and um, the dreams that I have, to be dead honest with you, they're overwhelming. And I, I came this close to talking myself out of it yeah. a few months ago. What happened? So pretty much I um, – a few things actually happened. So when I was thinking about fundraising this money to build the classroom in Kenya, it was only going to stop at the classroom. Mm. And I remember sitting there going, like, why do you just want to stop at a classroom? Mm. And it was the fear of not – like the failure factor of, well – to raise $120,000 is a lot of money. I don't know how I'm going to do that. That was the mentality. It came from a complete lack mindset that was fear-based. Yeah. And um, then I was like thinking about it and I was like, but I feel like I can. I don't know how, but I feel like I can. And so- Kenya? Huh? Kenya? Can, can I? Kenya. Kenya? Are you saying Kenya or can Kenya. I? What are you saying? I'm just saying, I'm just trying to make a pun. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah, continue. Sorry, oh, continue. Kenya, Kenya. Kenya. Okay, yeah. got ya, got ya. It's like we're a little bit tired today. <laughs> we're a bit slow on the jokes. Um, <laughs> no, I already have. What do you mean? Um, so I actually have investors who are backing the foundation. So I'm starting a foundation. I love that. That's basically what I'm saying. Um, so, have yeah. you announced that yet? No. Nah. 
now oh, I have. Now we have, yeah. Woo. Um, <laughs> yeah, so in April the foundation's actually launching and it's called Always Away because like I've spoken in this podcast, I've always found a way and mm. I've never – I've had a loose plan but I've never had like, all right, step A is this, step B is that and because it's just too restrictive for me and then my imagination kind of gets narrow-minded and mm. I'm not seeing things in the wider spectrum. So, you know, it's happening. Um and it happened literally when I removed the fear of what if you fail? Now I'm like, I can't fail. Mm. And if I do, I fail forward and I mm. keep going. Like there's no, there's no room now for like being like, oh, I'm done now. At least I built a classroom and I can get the good citizen kind of, you know, I'm too invested in it. And it's really interesting. I'm not going to talk about it on this podcast, this episode. Um, but I actually discovered my why a few days ago. And so it, what was what was going on beforehand before you discovered your why? Um, I was just I was just doing it because I cared. I was like, yeah, like I care, but I don't know why I care so much. Oh, you hadn't figured. I it hadn't out, figured it out. But you felt that energy, but I felt it. I was like, for some reason, I have to do this. Like, mm-hmm. there's no, I can't talk myself out of it. I don't want to talk myself out of it, but I didn't understand, like, why? Like, what's the big deal? And it did. It actually happened having a conversation with a 22-year-old girl who came to me who felt completely lost and was like, I feel stuck in my life. I don't know what to do. Mm. Um, I want to be doing kind of like what you're doing and my passion is photography but I'm so afraid to take the step to do it on my own. I don't even know where to start. And my advice was do just start, like do something, move the needle even 1%. Yeah. Um, and it's cool because after that conversation, you know, we spoke for hours and she actually was the one, she didn't realise that she taught me why I'm doing what I'm doing now um, and how deep it actually runs uh, for me personally. So, and she actually ended up signing up for, for a photography class that night, which was fucking awesome. Hey. I was like, that is like, yes, do it. Um but yeah, so so in the la- in the space of like three or four months, even like even when we started this, I wasn't thinking about starting a charity. I wasn't thinking mm. I could because I was like, who? How? How do you even do it? Like, you have to have like a board of directors, and you got to have like all these things. And but then all of a sudden, these people just started popping up in my life, mm. going, oh, like I can help you do this. Or yeah. I've got experience in this. Or, you know, why don't you speak to so-and-so and they'll help you. And everyone just wants to help. And I'm yeah. like, well, f- fuck. Like, I can't just ignore this, yeah. you know. So, yeah, I'm starting a, a charity um, and we're going to be building sustainable cities with a leave no trace behind mentality. Sick. And then we're going to replicate the framework <laughs> and take it to other places and other communities that want the help, obviously. Um, and, Yeah try to actually build communities that are thriving, not just surviving. Interesting. Where, where are you wanting to do it? So majority of it will be in Africa. They're, like Nepal is another place I'd love to go to. But again, this is one of those things where I go, I feel like it's just going to present itself to me. Like yeah. I will go somewhere much like this project came about, meeting Helen with a story um, who's created a movement, who is trying to actually break the cycle of how women are seen and treated in Kenya. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get, I don't know, like, I think, I think Africa, like my heart is kind of there, but it could be local as well. It could be somewhere here where I'm like, Hey, we could actually help you do, I don't know, X, Y, Z. 
And it's sick because the best part is money was the restriction for me, right? Because I was like, how the fuck, like, how do I do this? And then all of a sudden two people come knocking going, here you go. And I'm like, what? Mm. (laughs) What do you mean? So now I can think even bigger because I have the funding there. So it's like I can actually help fucking 10 million people now. I don't need to stop at one. I can literally go out and help more people. Um, Yeah, so it's like now it's all just about putting what I need to in place to then pull the trigger to just be like run, like run as fast as you can with this. Yeah. So, yeah. Sick. Um, So, yeah, that kind of went really into what I wasn't going to talk about today, but <laughs> right. here we, we are. Here we do are. That. Um, one thing I actually wanted to say was, so we've spoken so much about meditation on this podcast. Mm. I've found this new way of meditating and yeah. I actually think it's working yeah. and it's actually helping me. I hate the buzzword manifest, but I'm going to use it in this sense. All these things that I'm Manifest, <laughs> manifesting and imagining, they're literally coming true a lot faster than ever before. So I'm going to share the secret with you. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I was listening to, have you ever listened to or read anything from Neville Goddard? No, no. name rings about, but I don't know why. So he, he, he was born in like 1906 or something. Like he's very, very old. Um, He's dead, but he's very, very old. Still very old. He's very old. Um, He was like one of the very first like spiritual thinkers who would write like, you know, scripture or not scriptures, but writings and all that on. What about the Bible? (laughs) Well, he references the Bible a lot. Well, no. (laughs) I think they're early. (laughs) Yes, you're right. We're very tired on this podcast today. Um, But uh, he he, uh, talks a lot about how you manifest your desires and knowing the difference between desire and, you know, all that. And what desire and what? Like desire and? Just like ideas basically. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, Um, like your deepest, deepest desires versus the things you tell yourself you want but it's actually not what your desire, your desire. marketing. Yeah. Sure. Um, Anyway, and so he speaks to this one. It's just, it's literally simply a visualization meditation. So every night when I go to sleep now, So obviously this focus is the school for me, right? But his method is when you go to sleep, as you like lying down and, you know, resting and whatnot, before you fall asleep, you need to close your eyes and start imagining an event that can take place whilst you're in pursuit of the thing that you desire. So for me right now. So what do you mean an event that can take place? So the person I want to become is somebody who's running a successful foundation um, that's raising a lot of money for these projects around the world, right? Mm -hmm. So an event for me is... I want to be able to talk about all of this stuff on a TED talk. Like I want to be 10 years down the track doing a talk, being like, this is where we started and this is what happened next and this is how many lives we've changed now. So the visualisation for me is being on the stage and literally getting a standing ovation for this talk that I've just given because it was Mm. so fucking inspirational, Mm. right? And then another thing, and he always says, when you envision yourself doing it, that's all you've got to put on loop. That's all you've got to think about. Not what happens after you do the talk and where you go next. Just you finish the talk and everyone stands up and everyone's clapping. And then to close the loop, you say, thank you. So then your your brain goes, oh, okay, she's done. And then you start the process again of standing ovation, clapping, thank you. And it's done. And you just keep doing that. And no shit, man, I've been doing that with money lately. And I think I'm a wizard. Like I legitimately, (laughs) 
am shocking myself at how much I'm sitting there thinking about receiving something and then four days later it happens. I recorded a voice memo. So I've been doing these daily voice memo journaling kind of, just a new way of journaling essentially. Um, And I love it because it's like a mini podcast but I'm only doing it for like five minutes every single day. Purely for the fact I want to look back on a year and see how far I'd come from that initial thought or idea that I had, right? Mm. So when I started this campaign uh, for the fundraising of the school, 30K in in 30 days was the goal. And I- Have you hit that? uh, We're about 8,000 away now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Well, by the time this airs, it'll be done. So we will have hit 30,000. But I, two days into it, I literally recorded a memo that said, feel really good about this. It's tracking nicely. But for some reason, I feel like someone's just going to come in and drop a bomb and it's going to change everything. Mm. The next morning, I got a $15,000 donation. So good. Like you, I can't make this shit up. Yeah. Like I legitimately can't. Day later, I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know when just like bills, everything just comes all at once? Like the same day, I had like seven different things due and I was like, fuck, you know what would be really good right now? Just $500. $500. <laughs> Someone messages me on Gumtree um, later that night and goes, hey, can I, is this thing still available? Can I come pick it up? And I was like, where the fuck was I even selling? And I was selling some type of uh, camera gear. And I'm like, yeah, 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 sure. And he wasn't, he didn't put in the message like, or t- tried to barter with me. So I'm like, how much did I even put this thing up for? $500. Uh, <laughs> that night the guy comes at the door and gives me $500 cash. <laughs> and I'm just like... Oh my God. And my dad's like, what'd you sell? I'm like, dad, I actually think I'm a wizard. <laughs> he was like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I asked for $500 and I got $500. I was like, you're fucked. Like whatever. <laughs> um, then it happened again. And the amount was $600. So now what, can you up that to like a hundred thousand dollars? I've asked for 4,000 now. Oh, okay. You're I'm just, just testing the waters. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be greedy. You know? Four, all right, let's go six. <laughs> But my point is, right, I don't think people realise how powerful their thoughts are. And we've said it before, like, you know, when you can not so much control your thoughts but when you can observe them and then decide what's actually benefiting you and what you're going to bring into existence, it actually happens. Mm. Like it actually fucking happens. Mm. It's the same thing when you sit there and, you know, something, something happens in life and you've seen it as like a negative thing and yes, shit, things always happen and that's fine. But if you stay in that state where you think everything's shit, guess what? You're going to keep shit. seeing things that are shit. Yeah. I have a, I have a, an idea on this and it's that kind of, what's it called? When you see something enough, your brain begins to filter out the information Oh, it could be like literally uh, anything. Uh, anyway, look, let me start it again. So, so basically this idea where you buy a car and the moment you buy the car, you see all the cars. Yes, yes, because yes, yes. Because our brain is a filter. Our yep. brain is not, you know, taking in everything. It's taking in everything that it deems appropriate for your survival. And if you tell it enough, this thing's important, this thing's important, this thing's important, this thing's important, it begins to then filter in the information that probably maybe already would have been there. But in that filtering process, you go, oh, look at that. Oh, I can see that. Oh, well. What about that? And then in the process of that filtering in mm. and then you then taking that filtered in information with a big enough why and a big enough goal and beginning to make take those opportunities, you begin to move closer to that direction of that vision that you've put in your mind. 
And over time, those like little goals begin to add up and then you you begin to snowball and the next yeah. thing you know, it's, it's got its own life because yeah. all these things are complex. Everything's interchanging and like working with one another. So, yeah, I feel like this this visualization element is the start of all of that. So what you've just described is what Neville Goddard calls, that's why I was like, I could be anything, but it's very similar to what he describes as the mirror reflection. Mm. So internally, whatever you're choosing to give energy to and attention to, the outside physical reality will reflect that. Yeah. So it's like, you know, when you when people ask for signs or when people, you know, see, you know, you see a purple car, then all of a sudden you see purple cars everywhere because yeah. you focus your energy on the purple car. Yeah. I'm still getting one one ones all the time or one one one. Yeah, I like just so much. I've um I get pink flamingos. That's that's my <sighs> sign. Like if I actually need a full on confirmation, I ask for a pink flamingo and it's happened twice now <laughs> where it's presented itself to me and I'm like, all right, I'm done questioning. I'm it not questioning anymore. It sounds so ridiculous, like, doesn't it? When you think of it objectively, like you're like, this is silly, but, but it keeps happening. But you can't, like at what point do you draw the line and go, you know what, this can't just be a coincidence anymore. Yeah. Like it just can't. And if you're actually asking for things and it's you're getting it, yeah. how the fuck do you just ignore that? Like yeah. that is the proof you need to be like, yep, okay, this this thing is happening. Um, and I used to be the biggest skeptic with this stuff as well. So if you're listening to this going, she's actually batshit crazy, I used to think this stuff was like all woo-woo and whatever, whatever. But the less attached I get to these things and, you know, the more ambitious my dreams or my goals are getting – not only the more confident am I getting, but the more shit is just happening and I can't ignore yeah. that it's happening kind of seamlessly. Yeah. Like, yes, I'm working my ass off to, you know, turn the wheels and move forward. But at the same time, these things pop up and I'm like, oh, sure. Mm. Like right timing, right place, right person, of course, because everything's led me here. Mm. He also talks about this is very fucking – my brain hasn't really wrapped my head around it. But – um you know, and again, this actually goes back to why it's so important to write your like goals down, mm. actually physically put pen to paper because then it's real. Mm. Like it's not just it's not in your head anymore. Yeah, it's yeah, real. Sure. You've put it out, and it's it's actually real. Yeah. But he like Neville goes to, as far as to say that as soon as you've thought about it, it's real. Like the fact that you've managed to conceive it in here means that you're able to receive it out here. Yeah. Um how quickly you'll receive it is going to depend on how much energy you give that thought and how yeah. much you almost entertain the idea of it, right? Yeah. And, um, yeah, so he says that, like, in what's not as what's the, like, metaphysical? Is that, like, the realm of energies or whatever? Yeah, anyway, yeah, I think so. um, you basically, that's why visualization is so important because the more you visualize it, all it takes is now a matter of, physical reality, 3D reality to catch up. So for yeah. me now, sitting here envisioning the person that I want to become and who I have to be uh, to be a successful leader, to be a successful, you know, uh, founder of a charity and do all these things that I want to do, I have to envision who that person is and feel like I already am her Yeah. to be able to move towards that. So then it's basically like my physical body just has to catch up to my imagination essentially yeah. because it's already happening. It's in motion. Like I can't slow this down. It's happening. Yeah. Um, and speaking about it now with this much conviction has come from these little instances that keep happening. And I'm like, this is now too strong. And now that I've discovered the actual why, like the crux of why I want this to happen and why it's so important to me, 
it's fucking blown everything out of the water. Mm. Now so I'm just. Do you want to talk about your why, or is it something you want to keep? To it's pretty big. Like it's it's. Okay, we can talk about it another time. It's um, it kind of shocked me when I was like, "Whoa, I don't think you even know about this." Okay, well, maybe we go down a different round instead of like talking about the why, specifically talking about how you got to understanding the why, like yeah. what steps you took to go. Oh, this is how I like how you got your thinking to the point where it made was clear. Yeah, it was definitely like the process of like writing down the big picture, and I tend to work backwards, so. Mm. I don't know if it's just people who are really right-brained. Like I feel like you're a pretty middle person, I feel. Like you're creative. Actually, maybe I think you're more left-brained. Wait, which one's left-brained? Left, Right-brain is creative. Yeah, I'm, I'm very analytical. Yeah, left-brain yeah. is more analytical. I'm getting more and more creative just purely because I started telling myself that I'm creative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kept using excuses of saying, oh, I'm not creative, so I'm not going to like yeah. contribute to this yeah. outcome and then – um. I stopped using that excuse and now I'm how much do you, more creative. How do you find like life is now that you've kind of said that? Like do you find – It's a bit more freeing. Yeah. Like I, I'm like I can do anything because I know I can come up with ideas because I am creative. Yeah. Like maybe I don't paint but like there's plenty of ways to be creative. <laughs> <laughs> but that's important. Can I just say that's really important to note because – People just have such a label on creativity that if you're not a musician, an artist, a fucking, you know, I don't know, architect or whatever, you're not a creative person. But mm. problem solving is creative. Like a maths teacher has to sometimes get creative with the way they're going to teach and, mm. you know, and I think that what I'm learning recently because I'm very right-brained is my life path is a life path six. So basically that means I need stability. Mm. Like I need to be stable in finances. I need stable relationships. I need mm. for me to free up the creativity to go out and, you know, do all these other things. But that stability is a very left brain thing. Mm. And I've been telling myself, I'm not, you know, analytical. I'm not like blah, blah, blah. But I'm a very deep thinker and I yeah. know that about myself. Yeah. Um, so now it's like learning how to actually do the boring shit of like trying to put things into place um, so it can free up more creativity. But it's really important, I think, to know that um, creativity comes in all forms. Like it yeah. doesn't – there's no like one piece of – one pager that's like if you're not any of these things – You are not creative. You're not creative. Yeah. It's like no. But to your question, how did I come up with it? So – Basically, it was writing down the big picture and working backwards and going, okay, if this is what I want to achieve, you know, let's just say it's sustainable cities, well, then how do I, what, what would be the step below that? All right, it's, you know, actually not even the step below that. Like where could I start now? It's getting involved with the right people that know more than me. Mm. I don't know anything about environmental science yeah. or f- fucking anything at this point. Um, and then it's the accountability thing. So talking about it, mm. saying it out aloud. But even before that, I think st- when you're at the very beginning of trying to figure out, you know, whatever, your purpose or, you know, your why or whatever, having that big picture goal, ha- being accountable for it means you need to speak about it so it doesn't just stay up in here or in a notebook that you're going to open once in a lifetime. Yeah, I have this rule that I, if I have an idea and I really want to pursue it, I tell three people mm. and each person has a different trait that I, I trust. Like I have to trust these people. Yeah. So the three people I tell is someone who's going to be a skeptic mm. and be like, oh, how are you going to do that? Like, you know, what, what's your plan? What's your, this is this. Like your auntie or something. 
Yeah, like someone who's going to like not challenge me with uh, constructive criticism, just straight up criticism. They're going to put that doubt in me because I know I need that little bit of fire to be like, watch me. <laughs> but you got to be careful who you tell that to because someone can really come in and fucking shatter your dreams before yeah. they even start. Then there's just the straight up cheerleader that I could tell them I want to go to Mars and they're like, yeah, you can. <laughs> go and do it. Like, yeah. And they're not going to question a single thing. They sh- they just believe in me. Yeah. Um, so got to make sure you got one of those in your corner. The third person is that person that is logical but is also a cheerleader. Like that's fucking awesome. Have you thought about how you're going to do this or, you know, financial issues, this. And I trust that person because they know their shit. Yeah. Like they actually know more than me. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to listen to you because you actually know what you're on about. So the accountability thing is like the next thing. Um, I did write down. What else did I say? And then it's just like action. Mm. Do one thing. Mm. And it doesn't have to be a big thing. Just do mm. one little thing to move into the direction that you think you want to go into um, and don't have the expectation that you're going to have it all figured out tomorrow. Yeah, because you probably won't. You won't. And absolutely. what you think might be correct may be completely wrong in your head. So all your decision-making changes once you get new information in. Yeah. So you- and that's the, I think that's the whole point of like this human existence is trial and error. And I think when you're young. More iterations. Yeah. yeah. But when you're young, you know, like I was having this conversation with this 22-year-old the other week. I said to her, I'm like, when you're young and you're making decisions, it's the best time to make them because you have this blissful naivety about you mm. that you could do it, yeah. you know. And I think as I've kind of gotten older, I've also returned to that blissful naivety where I'm like, why can't I be the person that solves world hunger? Oh, mm. wait, I can. Mm. Like what? why can't you be the person who goes and, you know, creates the most successful touring why not? Like, yeah. why not? Um, but it's hard to get to that because as you get older, life can harden you as well mm. through experiences and being shut down and being let down and being all these things. But at the same time, I think you've just kind of got to look at the bigger picture of it all. And I say, I use this analogy all the time. Like life is just this jigsaw puzzle, mm. right? Everybody's life is a jigsaw puzzle. And most of the time you don't get the bird's eye view of it all to see what the actual picture is that you're trying to like fill in, you know, the pieces with. What we tend to do is, you know, every piece will be a relationship, an experience, an opportunity, you know, whatever. Mm. And every piece has its part in on the puzzle board. Mm. What we try to do is grab these pieces and be like, it has to go here. Yeah, it needs yeah, to yeah. fit here, but it doesn't. Like it's going to serve a better purpose in a different place somewhere else on the board. Um, So I use that analogy with like I used it with this 22-year-old as well. I was like that's just how you have to view it. You're 22 and you're like you've made half a quarter of of the board, which is awesome, right? You've got this whole board ahead of you and all these pieces you're going to fill in. Stop being so hard on yourself. You're 22. Mm. You're 20 fucking two. You don't have to have it all figured out at the moment. Um, So, yeah. So I think there was still a bit of a gap on you kind of spoke about how you got to, you know, the steps, but more so exploring the what, like how you got to your why. Like I don't, I don't quite understand yet how you. I feel like I have to, to say the thing though. It's up to you. Up to you. It's really all right. You know, what? I'm just going to say it. It's gone completely left, but we'll, have, we'll <laughs> talk about it because I've already spoken about this. 
Um, so it started with that conversation with that 22 year old, right? Cause I said, what I said to her was I was 22 when my life changed mm. and she's like, how so? And I go, you'd think it was because my, um, seven and a half year, like relationship ended, uh, the business that I built from the ground up that was gone. I felt like I was at rock bottom. I'm like, it wasn't that it was, uh, who is it really hard to talk about? It's not, it's not hard. It's just talking about it is still, uh, um, 20, it was actually 23, not 22. I just turned 23. 23 was, uh, the year that I also was raped. Oh shit. Yeah. It's a lot. Um, but I didn't actually start talking about it till I was 26. Okay. Like I suppressed it so much. So as I'm talking to this girl about it, I'm just talking. Like I'm like, you know, that was the year everything changed, this happened, um, and then it kind of taught me all these things about myself, blah, 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 blah. Not realising, like I was just kind of on a tangent and then I looked up at her and she was crying. Oh, shit. And I froze because I just dropped it on her and I was like, are you all right? And she goes, Mon, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. I didn't realize. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. And I said to her, well, how are you supposed to know? I don't really broadcast it. Yeah. Um, I have spoken about it before in a video, but um, mm. I don't. It's not like something I pops up in conversation like it did with her, even though it probably should because the impact it had on her mm. was astronomical. So I'd said that to her and I was like, yeah, you know, that's why I like, you know, with this school now, it's really important to me. And as I said it, I didn't even fully understand it. And it wasn't until a few days later when I was sitting down and thinking about it, I said to my financial advisor, because I told him about everything that had happened and why it kind of felt like there were these limiting beliefs that were still tied to that incident that I hadn't fully dealt with. Mm. Um, and I, what I said to him was, to be honest with you, sometimes it feels like there's a part of my soul that's been taken from me and I can't get it back. And I don't know how to get it back. And it's like there's something missing, but it shouldn't be missing. Mm. And I know that I can get it back. Like I know all these things, but I just, there's a part that feels really hollow. Mm. And he looks at me and he goes, do you really believe that? Like, do you really believe that you can't get, that someone took something from you and you cannot get it back? And it's I'm like. advisors. Like. <laughs> he's a shaman as well. Yeah, so wow. he's fucking, he's like. Um, and I said to him, I'm like, well, no, like I feel like I can get it back. But right now where I'm at in my life, there's still a little bit that's missing. And I said to him, I'm like, I'm doing the work. Like, it's not like I sit there and ignore it and suppress it. Whenever that 23-year-old pops up and I have to have a conversation with her to be like, you're brave, you're strong, I love you. Like, um, there's still a bit of shame that like surrounds it. But where I was a year ago talking about, like, I couldn't talk about it. My throat would close up. I would be like, mm. like, if I cry, it means it happened. Like, don't, you need to just shut it off. Whereas now I can, uh, I'm surprised I haven't started crying now. Like that's, that's how far I know I've come. And yeah, so I had that conversation with my financial advisor and I said to him, I'm like, I know I'll figure it out. I just haven't yet. Like, but we'll leave it at that. And then I was talking to one of my friends about it and it just, it's not, this isn't the best way to explain how I got to the why. Cause again, it just kind of happened, but I was talking to a friend of mine and I was getting like really into, um, this message that I'd received from Helen, who is the founder of the school. And I was so angry because what she sent me was a video of a, 
oh, this is very deep, a 12-year-old girl who'd gotten admitted into hospital uh, and she was accompanied by her 40-year-old husband. And Helen had gone to see her at the hospital because they had to perform an, an emergency cesarean on her uh, because she was pregnant mm. at 12. And it fucking infuriated me. Mm. Like, and as I sat there and I had to watch this video of this poor 12-year-old girl, again, not realizing that she had had something taken from her that she was now going to have to deal with for the rest of her life. Yeah. She doesn't get the help that I get here, you know? And so it just cemented in me. I was like, this is so fucking big. How, like there's no way I could ever walk away from any of this. And as I'm telling my friend this, I was just getting enraged and whatever. I was like, I have to do more. I feel like I'm not doing enough. Like, and I was just going, and he even said to me, he's like, you're really passionate about this. I'm like, because I know what it feels like in some capacity to, ha- to experience something like that. Yeah. I'm just fucking lucky that I live in the Western world where there is help on hand to move through these things. These girls don't have that. Helen is the beacon of hope for her. And I was like, this is my why. And my friend goes to me, have you like shared that? And I was like, shared what? And he goes, the actual why behind all of this. And I was like, oh, no. And he's like, dude, you need to like talk about this. Like, cause this is deeper than just you raising a bunch of money and building a school. Like this has a real personal like affiliation to it. And I was like, no, 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 like that's dumb. Like I can't, I can't talk about that. I can't talk about that. And he's like, you need, like you need to. And then after that conversation, I was thinking about it and I was just like, oh my God, I had said when I got back, like, when I got home, I literally said to my mom, I'm like, I don't know why, but it just feels like a part of me stayed there. Mm. I'm never going to get that part back. Like that part of Mon is forever going to be there. You know, and in my head I was like, oh, it's just because I loved it so much because it was so nice seeing the kids and whatever. Now I understand. I'm like, wow, that part of me is there because it's it's literally healing me. Like mm. it's actually healing me. Um, and so I went back to my financial advisor and I was like, I think I kind of figured it out. And he goes, what do you mean? I go, you know how I said, I, there's a part of my soul that I feel like I couldn't get back. I think it's because in meeting Helen, everybody keeps sitting here saying to me like, oh, Helen didn't know who she was talking to when she met you and you were going to make all this stuff happen. And I'm like, I don't, I didn't know who I was meeting when I met Helen because that woman is doing so much more for me and she doesn't even realize it than I could ever do for this community. There's no amount of money that I can raise for this community or these people to almost thank her. Not that I need to, like she would never be like, you need to say thank you. But for what it's done for me, like the process of doing this and seeing what she managed to do with her story and how she didn't let her story define her, which she very well could have. She could have been, you know, a trauma victim. She could have, you know, that could have been the path. She took that and was like, I'm fucking using this as fuel Mm. to go and change everything, to say fuck you to the system and to actually create an impact that would last generations and generations. So that's my why. (laughs) Wow. Give me a hug. (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing. How are you feeling? Um, To be honest, like my throat nearly closed up when I was about to say it because I was not expecting to. Normally I like can preempt myself. Sure. But you know what? It it does feel good, especially after, you know, just having the conversation with that 22-year-old girl who it straight away encouraged her to go and do something like sign up for a photography course. You know, I can see that this sort of stuff has the impact 
to change people's perspectives and, you know, if they'd experienced something similar, like it can help them. Like I said, for me, there is still this underlying kind of shame around it, even though I shouldn't feel shame around it because it wasn't my fault, even though I told pe- I told myself for so long, it's your fault, like you got yourself in that predicament, you're to blame. Um, but now I'm like, well, actually this person was much older than you. This person saw that you were vulnerable. This person, uh, yeah, like you're not, you're not to blame. Um, but it's, it's, it's why I'm so passionate as well about like, you know, things like meditation and things like, um, all these different modalities and because the shit works, like it helps. Yeah, like it does if, help. if people knew where I was mentally and sure I could put on a really good front and be like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I can just go, 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 go. Yeah. But in those quiet moments where I'd have to sit and console the 23-year-old. The the hard moments, yeah. They were the – that was a fucking hell and a half. Like, um, yeah, so I guess that's – for me, now I understand what my purpose is and I don't think that's going to change. Like I don't think I'm going to get sick of this and decide one day I don't want to do like humanitarian work. I don't want to like do a – it's too close to home now for me mm. and I've seen the impact it can make and I know what it can do in the future and also I know what I can do because of this um, and I'm just so determined to like show young people in particular like whatever happened to you doesn't mean you don't have the power to change the, the rest of your story. Yeah. It's like what can you control in your, yeah. in your environment? You can yeah. control you and how you respond. Yeah. That's really that's a really hard thing to to say to some people because shit goes terribly mm. in in life at times, and to then turn around and say to someone, "Yeah, but what can you do about it? Like, what can you do?" Yeah, it does bring up like anger and frustration, and you know, you sound like an, an asshole. That's where I think it's just important to learn how to listen and really listen because sometimes people just need to be heard. Yeah, without having someone be like, well, he's the solve. Yeah, He's yeah. the immediate acute resolution for your problem. It's like yeah. shut the fuck up and listen. And listen. Yeah. And I think that's something, again, that I'm so cautious with, particularly with, you know, stories like uh, or what I'm trying to do is you've got to learn to be a better listener because I wouldn't want to be the person who just goes in and tries to fix everything because I know it within myself that I am a fixer. I mm. tried to fix everything. And what I'm having to learn now is to. It's in your masculine. It, absolutely it is. Absolutely yeah. it is. But I also realize how much is in my feminine because I want to take care of people. I want people to be okay. And I want to be able, I want people to be able to come to me and feel safe enough and trust me to be like, wow, she can actually help. So mm. I do know that there's a balance of the two and I feel like I'm getting better at balancing both at knowing when to just listen and then knowing when to be like, okay, I like, this is what I think you should do. Should you want to take the advice on yeah. here it is. Um, whereas before I think it was the other way. I was like, I know more than you, like I can fix you, but it's yeah. now, and this is almost the beautiful thing that came out of the tragedy that I experienced was um, it made me even more of an empath. Yeah. Because now I understand when people don't want to be told, they just want to be heard. I can see it and go, all right, you don't need words of advice right now. You mm. just need someone to literally listen mm. and be like, I'm paying attention. I'm paying mm. attention. Mm. Um, so I think that's a really important trait if I was to look at 
not that it's a pot like you know a positive to come out of a shit situation it's that like I feel people a lot more like yeah. when I'm in a conversation with someone and I can see they're hurting yeah. I almost know when to play the mother role and just kind of make them feel safe versus being the dad who's like you need to go do this yeah you know yeah for sure for sure so well there's a lot to unpack there, which I don't think we have time to. <laughs> no, we can do but, that another time. But uh, going through that whole story with with the 22-year-old girl and um, the conversations you had and then getting to your why, can, do you have any kind of like frameworks for the listeners to like be able to then get back to finding their why? It's like how – is it just talking or writing? Writing, really, I talking think it, and writing. I think it is writing more than it is talking. I think talking can only get you so far, but writing forces you to be more present and pay more attention to yeah. what you're trying to get out. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a practice. It's not like, you There's know. No end point. Yeah, like I remember the 22-year-old girl that I spoke to, she was like, I really want to start journaling, but I don't know what to write. And that's the first sign for me to be like, well, you can't be with your thoughts. Like if you can't just write down, I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm just going to try right anyway. Yeah. Like people are so afraid to be with themselves. And I get, I get, I do. I actually get it. I understand. Um, Have you heard of the morning pages? No. It's a, it's a technique, a writing technique that I did for a while. Oh, no, I haven't. Um, it's basically, there's a book, I can't remember her name, but there's this, this concept called, that she's come up with called the morning pages. And it's basically you, first thing in the morning, you, you know, you sort your life out a little bit. Don't look at anything else. You sit down. And you write three longhand pages of oh. whatever comes into your mind. So you put your pen on and you write. And there's, there's, you don't have to worry about the punctuation. You don't have to worry about anything that comes out. It could be good, bad. It could be stupid. You could say, yeah. I don't know what to write. I'm going to, this is the dumbest thing ever. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, wait, what about this? <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and I did it for a few months and I noticed my thinking A, my mind was like dumping information that I didn't even know was there. B, I would have some like horrible sentences in there that I would, wouldn't know where they'd come from. Mm. But it was really interesting because it allowed me to clear my thinking that out of my head and I would be writing and I'd be looking at as I'm writing and I go, I don't agree with this at all. Yeah. It's really weird. But you never look at it again. Yeah. That's it. It's literally, it's in, it's, it's on the paper and you never look at it again, but you do it every morning, just three pages, never look at it. Yeah. And the impact it had on my ability to think, the impact it had on my ability to kind of work through any like traumatic or painful situations that were occurring was significant. Um, it does take a bit of time. It's like a half an hour every morning. So I've struggled to maintain it lately, but it is definitely high on the list of if I had a bit more, if I had a better morning, that would be what I would bring back in very quickly. Well, uh, like I, I do this still to this day now, um, not so much because I feel like I don't get as triggered by things or people these days. But, you know, um, when you receive a message or text message from someone or even if you've had a conversation with someone and you want to go and like send them a message and really tell them what you think, do send that. Send a message but don't send yeah, it. Yeah, like write it and then reread it and be yeah. like, imagine if I received a message like this. I'd get on the defensive real yeah. quick. I think there's just something to be said about visually Getting seeing. Getting it out of your head. Yeah. 
because you have to see it and it's not going anywhere because it's there. Yeah. Whereas when you're just thinking these thoughts, they just churn and churn and churn and churn. Going back to what you were saying about the Neville guy, it's, it's the same concept but in a different approach. Exactly. And then you start that, that energy just like drags more bad or negative things in. And like I say this, I say this light, like lightly, but I feel like I have gotten to a place now where I literally – like it is what it is. Hmm. That's that's how I see everything. It's it's the emotion. How am I going to attach to it? Am I going to attach a positive to it or am I going to attach a negative to it? If I attach a positive to it, it requires more work. Like I have to filter through the shit. Maybe in the short term. Yeah. Or if I attach a negative, the repercussions of seeing things as super bad. Great me. <laughs> is you start to see more of it, you know, and I yeah. think fucking social media. The filter. It's a filter. Yeah. Literally the filter. But like social media algorithms are exactly that. Yeah. It feeds you what it wants you to see. Yeah. You know how I've got a new hack for social media? I've got a new hack for it to use Instagram effectively. Delete it? No. It's a great tool. What? So Instagram and Twitter, I don't, I don't really ever go on Facebook. Like <clears throat> my Facebook Newsfeed is blocked on my computer and I really yeah, use it on my phone. But Instagram is still pretty, you know, capturing. But if I find a page I really, really like, something that's going to add value to my life, like there's one called Behavior Hack, which is amazing. They do this really cool visuals. There's this like a bunch of health people um, and like a stoic page and you, you get the idea. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I just click the bell notification and I set the um, notifications for posts and stories. Depending if I really like them, it's posts and stories. If I don't like them, it's posts. And then my Instagram experience now is I go into my notification center. I look at all the pages that have posts that have like done posts and I just click on them and I just read those posts specifically and then I get out and that's it. Do you find that it also pulls up more pages like what you? No, no, no. All my settings are off. So the only, the only settings I have on on Instagram, I don't have likes, I don't have follows. I don't know. I have like, I have like follow requests accepted because that's an important thing because, you know, if you follow someone then you want to know that they've accepted it. Um, I have messages and I have, the pages that I've followed and clicked notification on. And it's allowed me to just go, okay, this is going to add value to my life as opposed to you being like, oh, this is cool. This will add value to my life. And then to get to that information, you're scrolling through a news feed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which you might get one every 20, but you spend an absorbent amount of time more just scrolling on that thing as opposed to just going directly to the source that you initially wanted to follow. So it's kind of like, cut out a lot of the bullshit. Like, I mean, yeah, I get caught in sometimes in stories and posts, but a lot of the times I'm in and out. Yeah. Which is really interesting. So oh, it's interesting. I've never thought of that approach. I'm literally going to have to try that because I'm so Great. fucking sick of social media. It's so good. Because there's it's value in it. There are some really awesome things. And like on Twitter, there's I follow and get notifications on some really interesting things like in, yeah, 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 in like yeah. investing and and mindset and spirituality and you know, key information. Like I follow Elon Musk, for example, all his posts come out. I'm like, sometimes he's doing stupid shit, but like generally it's pretty quite interesting. So there's a hot tip for you all. If hot you're tip. getting yeah. sick of socials, just do what Adam did. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, do you want to keep rolling? Or? Yeah. Well, I mean, do you have some more stuff that you want to work through? I actually just mm. wanted to, 
I kind of go back on the whole purpose piece um, because I guess the why is really important and we can easily get lost in, you know, oh, I need to find my purpose and I need to find it now and it can't change and, you know, it just, again, can turn into a bit of a spiral. But yeah. there was one piece of advice that I gave to this girl that I'd been speaking to and, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm 28. I don't have it all figured out obviously but I feel like the main purpose like your purpose, my purpose, everybody's purpose in this lifetime is to just be here and experience what it means to be a human being. That's very broad. People are like, well, what does that mean? How do you do that? What are the steps and processes of experiencing something like that? Um, but I really think when you knuckle down on it, it's exploring the full potential of humanity and experiencing the highs and the lows and finding that balance between the two and following the things that actually bring you joy. You know, it's not so much about focusing on that set thing that is your purpose. It's like how about you just start by doing the things that you like doing Mm -hmm. and in the process of doing that you're also going to figure out the things you don't like doing and that's a win. Mm -hmm. That's not a fail. That's a win because now you know, well, I don't like playing instruments but I like listening to music. Yeah. You know, I like creating or producing music or whatever but I don't like playing the instruments or whatever it might be. Um, I think just especially when you're young and obviously social media does play a part in this because of the comparative game that we play when we're endlessly scrolling through feeds, the goals that you set for yourself, you know, are personal to you. You need to figure out what is the why behind it. Sure, you need a bit of an action plan to take the steps to move into any direction. But you figure and you figure out the why through journaling and writing. Absolutely. And there are these practices that you, you can do exactly to, you know, figure it out a bit better and kind of get it a bit clearer. But I don't think there needs to be this massive pressure on us to have this purpose in life figured out. If you're lucky and you you figure it out early on, awesome. Like, that purpose can change yeah, on a dime. Like absolutely. as new information in your life progresses, like that purpose can be completely different and that's okay. Yeah. And I think that's why it's important to write down whether it is a bucket list or a goals list and try to categorize it in, you know, health, wealth, wisdom, whatever it might be. Because I think there would be these like related factors that you'll start to see throughout it. Like for me, it's, I just want to, like, I literally just want to help people. Mm. Like I just want to help people. Mm. So everything I do has to be able to help people. Mm. If it doesn't, then I kind of feel like, oh, that's pointless. It's a waste of my time, waste of my energy. Mm. Um, So yeah, I think when you are writing out goals, when you are writing out dreams, whatever it might be, just know that yes, it'll probably change and it's good if it does and having that flexibility to allow yourself to grow and pivot and change directions is really important. And again, it is a practice and the way you practice it is by using these small tools like meditation where it forces you to sit with yourself and ask those really hard questions of why do you want to do this? Hmm. What does the best version of you look like if you pursue this? Are you happy with that? Hmm. If yes, cool, go for it. Hmm. Are you going to be okay with the consequences or the outcomes of this decision? Yes, all right, let's do it. Um, But, yeah, they're all practices. They take time. They take, you know, a lot of energy, but it's worth it in the long run. Like it is so fucking worth it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. That's my little spiel. I like it. <laughs> uh, there's one little thing that I'll that I'll say before maybe we finish up, but um, I've liked you know in a journaling practice or when I'm trying to work out 
what I'm going to do, saying like, I want to do X, Y, Z, and then just asking why. And then you go, because of blah, 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 blah. And then you go, yeah, but why? Mm. And then you go, because blah, 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 blah. And maybe I think he, I think if you get to like five whys, you really start getting to the core of it. Yeah. And once you get to the core of it, you can go, do I actually want to do this? Or am I doing this? Like do I actually really want that why? Mm. Is that important to me? And so a lot of times it might not even be important to you. Um, and I think you decipher where it's coming from. Is it coming from true self or ego? Like yeah. is it ego driven to the point where, well, it's because what other people will think of me if I do this thing? Yeah. Or is it? No, I just really like yeah. really want to do this thing. Yeah, and the ego-driven side of things can be a real trap sometimes. Ugh. And because like the problem with that is even if you do win, it feels empty. Yeah. So it's like kind well, of Well, I feel like that's because there'll always be someone doing it better or there'll always be the nicer car, there'll be the nicer this, that, that you feel like you have to chase. Yeah. And that's why I think the active pursuit of that kind of evergreen goal really needs to be kind of clear because that yeah. is essentially like the true north star. Yeah. So when you're being led astray because the ego is like, no, 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 come this way, you're like, yeah, but it doesn't align to that thing that I'm trying to actively pursue, knowing full well I may never fucking do it in this lifetime. Yeah. But I'm going to try. Yeah. What do you mean you may never do it in this lifetime? Because you will do it. I know I'll like I know I'll do it. That's it. That's it. Like that I know, but I'm saying like you know sometimes it's very hard for people at the very beginning. Like it's one thing to just say something; it's another to actually believe it. Like I'm at a point now where I fucking believe it. But if you say it enough times, even if you don't believe it, it's weird. You start to believe. It. So, I think that's fact. Yeah. I, I just roll over your phone. No, that's oh. fine. Um, yeah. No, I, I do believe that, but it's kind of similar to that case when you're talking to someone who's so new to this and they're just like, what? Yeah. What do you mean? It's like just keep saying it 10 times over or 20 yeah. times over every day. They're like, that's, that's not going to fucking work. It literally works. Mate, try it. it I swear to God. Works. And then when you go to sleep at night, just visualize yourself doing a TED talk. <laughs> and then clapping and, and saying clapping thank you. And then clapping and saying thank you and it'll happen. And the next minute you've got $600 in your hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> All, right. All right. On that note. On that note, thank you for listening and tuning in, guys. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we'll, we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.